Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Crimson and Cream Machine on the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. With Oklahoma, Texas right around the corner, it's time for our annual check-in with Bomani Jones of ESPN. You know him as the co-host of High Noon, as well as the ESPN podcast, The Right Time. Uh, he comes on every year to talk OU Texas with us, so let's go ahead. Welcome him on, Bomani Jones of ESPN. All right, Bo, what's new, man? Hey man, I've been good. How about you? Oh, no complaints here, man. Uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm nervous this year though about this game, man. It seems like uh these back and forth kind of like shootout games that OU Texas has been playing lately, it, it, I mean, it just it ups my stress level every time I watch them. Well, no, the thing on this one that is interesting is Texas hasn't beaten anyone this year, but OU, but I guess Oklahoma State depends how you feel about it. But OU hasn't played anyone yet. Yeah. And so it's almost like losing that home game to LSU is to a degree reassuring if you're a Texas fan because you've been here and at the very least they didn't get embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. No, and that's the. I mean, nobody really knows what's coming out with OU this year. You know, I mean, they've looked good so far. You can't really take that away from them. But I mean, you know, you're right. Like in the sense that I mean, you know, Texas Tech or Kansas. I mean, these are tomato cans, really. Yeah. No. The I shoot Texas Tech. I keep having to remind myself who their coach is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 O- Oklahoma and actually Matt Wells. Uh, no longer. Uh, you know, it, it, Cliff Kingsbury gets canned and uh, ends up with the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, talk about yeah, failing up, man. Still makes no sense. Like I don't think people. As much as people talk about how hard it is to win at Texas Tech for the last thirty years, everybody won there more than he did. I, it, it's 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 astonishing, man. And on top of that, then he gets to go mess around, see what he can do with uh, Kyler Murray. So you know, hopefully, uh, you know, make uh, you know won't won't end up uh, you know ending his career out there. But we'll I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see, man. Uh, yeah, man. So how you so how you feeling this year? This year, I feel more like this team might be good than I have in I don't know how many years. Is it 10? Right? Because normally, cause like in recent times coming into this game, we have known that Texas is not good. Like, you go look back at the year, the strong one in the last year that Mac won. We knew those teams weren't good. We just thought they might have a chance to actually win something here. Um, I am warming to Ellinger. Everyone else, and, and I am be honest, it's just the way that everybody else goes a little too far and try to say how good he is in the television broadcast and everything else. I don't think he's a great passer. I think he's an effective third down weapon in a, like, Tebow-ish sort of sense, all of those things. I just don't feel like they rush the passer. And I don't think you're going to beat Oklahoma if you're not bringing some heat. Yeah, that's the one thing is that front, the defensive front is so big, you know, and they're good for clogging up lanes, you know, against the run game, but they don't really have, uh, 
anybody out there that you can count on really to get to get uh, get to the quarterback. So that'll be that's definitely one thing to watch. But yeah, I, I'm kind of with you in the sense that like I think the the thing about it is is Ellinger really is a good quarterback and like you know. I, I'm no Tom Herman fan, but he uses Ellinger really, really well for what Ellinger does. But um, it has kind of gone, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, I mean, you know, people talking about him leaving early for the NFL or whatever. I mean, come on, man. To do what? Yeah. Let's go play football? <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. But, hey, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, I've been listening, obviously, to your podcast, uh, The Right Time. You're doing this series now on boosters in college football. The first episode with Spencer Hall was, you know, it was great as expected. But there's an, I think there's an interesting kind of dynamic at play with OU Texas in the sense of, you know, boosters obviously are a huge story with uh, with the Longhorns. But you know, who who's OU's biggest booster? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't have a name that I can place with that program, which honestly might be the best thing that you can say, yes. right? Like, if, if you think of the programs where we could readily identify who the top of the booster class is, other than, like, Boone Pickens, nobody, rest in peace, nobody's really that happy with whoever that person happens to be. And Texas' problem, of course, is that it's just too many of them so that nobody can get up enough power to where things are, like, like, like organized in the very least. It seems like, was it Castiglione, my man, the AD at Oklahoma, he seems to really be the guy who is in charge there, and it's worth noting the overall success of that athletic program has a lot to do with the strength of the person who is in charge. Right. I mean, you know, Spencer talked about how with Alabama, for example, uh, they do everything to the max, but they do it quietly, you know. And it, it's it's a similar kind of thing with Oklahoma in the sense that football and, and the Sooners obviously is a huge thing for the state. But at the same time, you don't have, you know, one name or one face or even a cabal of, uh, you know, billionaires out there, guys like Joe Jamail or Red McCombs out there, you know spouting off to the uh, reporters or, you know, uh, kind of trying to call the shots uh, on their in their own right, you know? Yeah, no, like, it, it, it's not just that it's a bunch of these guys. It's that it's like if you got your mail and you got McCombs, right, and you got all these other names that we could throw out, like, ain't no, ain't a shrinking violet to be found. No, uh-uh. Anywhere at all. Like you think about McCombs, for example. This is a dude that has owned multiple professional sports franchises, and all he has at Texas is a vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, man. But uh, you know, I, it's funny too because, like, I remember you know when the whole thing about oh, you know, Texas courting Nick Saban and everything came up. Somebody who would know, you know, reached out to me. He's like, listen, man. He's like, look at how this is going down there right now, and the chaos that is there with all these people weighing in, man. They're like, you think ever in a million years like Nick Saban would want to get into the middle of something like that which is really saying something because at a place like Alabama I mean you're dealing with a different kind of fan base but it's a whole nother thing when you get to when you get to the booster level yeah see I think he would have taken that job nonetheless though because he the, the money was going to be unreal, right? Yeah. Like they were going to they were going to blow the market um, in order to get Saban. But Saban would definitely have to come in there and lay down the law. Like the thing about Alabama that is different than everywhere else is when people talk about working in Alabama, they're like, all you have to do here is worry about the football. That's it. Anything that you want that's going to make the football better, they are going to do. Period. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a different different thing in Texas for sure, for sure. But 
Um, yeah, and that's why Texas has won seven outright conference championships in the last 45 years. A grand total of seven. Bob Stoops has won the Big 12 more than Texas has won the SWC or Big 12 since the 1970s. Yeah, it really is kind of amazing when you think about it in that perspective, man. But uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the team this year, though. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Why don't you like Tom Herman? What's there to like? <laughs> that, that's my question with Herman. What is there to like? What Herman gives you, if there's going to be something to like, is that he's a really good football coach, right? That is the prevailing sentiment, is that he is a really good football coach, and he has done good work as a football coach at different places. I just want to bring up the point that he's gone 7-6 and six and 10-4 and four at Texas. So, without results, all I have is the personality that we're dealing with. And the personality that we're dealing with is not a particularly likable one. Yeah, uh, no no doubt there. But, you know, it is it is kind of amazing because he's, to me, I, I look at him and he's a really good coach in the sense that he knows how to kind of manage a game and, and pull the right lever, levers in the middle of a game really, really well, in my opinion. He does. The only thing, like, if I have, like, the primary criticism of Herman is that I don't worry about how they're going to play in this game against Oklahoma, right? Like, that, that is never where I'm worried about a Herman team. What I worry about is how they're going to play next week, right? right? Because the big games, Herman absolutely has that. He is dialed in, ready to go for those big games. And this goes back to when he was at Houston. Mm-hmm. We had a very similar sort of situation where the big games come, you're going to be cool. Then you look up and like, yo, why are we 9-3? and three? Like, like how, how did this happen? And to a degree, that also happened last year. Now, the talent level, level is certainly higher now, and I'd say that he has done a pretty good job um, in recruiting, which I guess also has something to do with the fact that you can do better at recruiting when your state's high school coaches decide they're actually going to help you recruit, which the last guy could not really say, right? right. But he hadn't put that fence up around the state of Texas like was in the prime of MAC, right? Like, Texas is still kind of sort of a no-man's land now in terms of who owns the recruiting Texas A&M, I don't think you'd even say that they own the recruiting in that way. But I can't deny the program is certainly healthier than it was than when he inherited it. But I think he I, – I would simply like to see more given the level of hype that we brought in with him. Right. You know, it's kind of like he, he coaches every game, though, like he's trying to pull off an upset. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a Texas fan, I kind of like to see them get out and really kind of like stretch their legs and really dominate teams. You just don't see that that often. No, they don't. No, we don't. We do not. Um, Like, I feel like when I watch Oklahoma, and I've felt this for many years, and I guess maybe I'm just now comfortable enough with my place in life to just say (laughs) this out loud. There's a quality to watching Oklahoma teams that Texas teams, other than like 05, just rarely have, where you just look at it and you're like, oh my God, they are just dominating these people over here. Like, why why is everybody so wide open? Like, why why does this football team look so well coached? I've been saying that about Oklahoma for 20 years. I ain't said that about Texas yet. 
Yeah, yeah. You remember there was a couple years back where like uh, Oklahoma was about to. It was one of those kind of like uh, runaway games, you know. And there was a moment where Kenny Stills dropped a pass in the end zone, and like whoever it was that was covering him, a cornerback, like you know, Stills down down the ground. A cornerback reaches down to try to you know give him a hand up, and Stills just knocks his hand away and gets up and runs off, you know, back to the huddle, and then went back. You know, I think he scored a couple plays later. It's like. You know, that is one thing that's just missing from Texas, it feels like, is that dog, you know, like that attitude that they're just, it's just, they're not, they don't play with it. It's, it, I've never really understood it. Yeah, Mac almost recruited against it. Yeah. Like almost to not have it. Um, but no, that that has not been there. But what you get is like the worst of the dog, right? Reckless, yeah. undisciplined. Oh, yeah. Like the, like like the strong years, the thing that frustrated me the most. I mean, for a number of reasons, I wanted it to work for Charlie. But then I look up and it's like, wow, is that another penalty? Yeah. Why is it always a million penalties? Why do we always have a million penalties, right? Um, but never to the point where like, yo, this is a team that people fear playing. I don't think anybody's felt that way about Texas in a very long time. Yeah, I think that's, you know, fair. But, you know, when you, you see him start chirping a little bit this week in the media and stuff, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a Texas fan, I think I like that, actually. Yeah, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. <laughs> and I feel like this is something like the kind of thing that Herman should be kind of encouraging. Like, look, man, your football team can't be nice. That's not how this works. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, well, uh you know, one of the things that I love that you do on your show is the uh, book club every summer. You know, uh, I haven't gotten around to reading the Jim Brown book, actually, Mike Freeman's book. But what are you reading right now? Give us something that we should all be checking out. I am reading a book right now on Motown, like the history oh, yeah. of Motown. And I learned that Barry Gordy used to be a pimp, um, <laughs> that he like literal pimp, like actual pimp. A um, bit of a compulsive gambler, the rise of the of the the, the team, like that. That's what I'm all right now. This is actually some pretty interesting stuff. I'm trying to think what the one is that I read right before. Oh, I read this good bio on Chuck Berry not too long ago called "Brown Eyed Handsome Man." That was oh, that yeah. was. Uh, I, rec- I recommend giving that one a run. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I thought uh, you you didn't know Barry Gordy was a pimp. You know, I thought that was uh, Petey Green's thing, right? Yeah, like I said, I mean, they said they, it was his ex-wife said one day Barry was there and he was all distraught and she's like, "What's the problem?" He's like, "I can't keep doing this no more." And he's like, "What?" And he told her, "Yeah, I got some girls out there on all John R." And he's like, "Yeah, you know, but I can't do what these other dudes doing, or beating them down or whatever to get the money and everything else." Can you imagine if you was a woman and all of a sudden this dude is like, "Yo," so just so you know, I've been out here pimping. Yeah, this is my program now, man. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, so, yeah, just trying to make just trying to make ends meet. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite book on music? Oh, man, David Ritz wrote a biography on Marvin Gaye called Divided Soul. That is an amazing piece of work. Amazing piece of work. I mean, you I don't know, you won't necessarily come away from it feeling great about Marvin, but you will come away from it feeling like you read a good book. All right, all right. I'll definitely check that one out then, man. Well, all right. Well, Bo, man, I, I really appreciate it. You know, uh, every year we're able to get on and uh, talk a little uh, OU Texas, man, and it's uh, – it's a nerve-wracking time for me, but at the same time, it's always so much fun every year. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to locking my door on Saturday and telling nobody to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, at least, you know, we get it over early in the day. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it yeah, is. don't have to sit around and wait all day. So, all right. Well, both. thanks so much, man. I really do appreciate it. No, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much to Bomani Jones, co-host of ESPN's High Noon and host of the Right Time podcast with ESPN. And thanks to you all for joining us, too. 
Wherever it is that you get your podcasts, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For the Blaine Homers and Podcasts, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.